Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. That is Grant Bills in for Bill today. Football Friday. Packers kick off their season on Sunday. Welcome into the rest of the network joining us now. So, Grant, one and a half point spread. We heard Matt talk about it just now from the Action Network. The under is something that appeals to him given the fact that defenses are often ahead of offenses. I don't think this game on Sunday between the Packers and the Vikings will play out like it did last year in Minnesota with a crazy shootout and all these down-the-field explosive plays. I think it'll be a little more muddy, if you will, especially to start before the teams get going. It's worth noting that like Matt LaFleur could have gone to look at all the film he wants. I don't think he really knows what Kevin O'Connell and what that defensive coordinator there will bring. So I I think there's going to be some unfamiliarity in the beginning. But when we talk about what's going to come down on Sunday, score prediction, and how many sacks does Darius Smith get? What do you think happens? And we'll take everyone's thoughts next as we move forward. Yeah, I think my prediction on Bill's huddle on Wednesday, 24-21, I think the Vikings win. I just, I'm with you. I would bet the under. Unders are always a good like no one likes cheering for unders, which is the problem. Unders are always a good investment, but think about the factors with these teams. Packers don't really know what's going on at wide receiver. If Alan Lazard doesn't play, then we got a bunch of unfamiliar route runners out there. Their offensive line isn't quite back to full strength. Both of those things are going to be prohibited for scoring touchdowns. And then the Vikings are dealing with the new head coach and a new play caller. And Matt LaFleur's great. We love Matt LaFleur, but remember how their season started in 2019? Where they scored 10 points? nine points against the bears in week one. So all of these factors that are kind of swarming around this game, both for the Packers and for the Vikings, I think lean towards fewer points rather than more points. Yes. When it comes to the score on either side though, 24, 21, I think so Packers. I think I'm, I think I'm going to take the Vikings. U S bank is bananas, man. U S bank is nuts. I, I think that plays a big role. I'm going to don't, I'm going to play the audio of everybody at the local radio station there saying why they don't like the Packers. I mean, uh, the horn is just unbearable. Like, the place is nuts. It's such gimmicky crap, that horn that they blow. It does suck. You are right. Uh, It is a a definitely uh, tough environment to go play in. I'm taking the Packers, as I said earlier in the show. I like them 23-20. And that's what Matt just said, but it was my prediction written down before. I swear you could look at the doc. I like them 23-20. I think if the Packers can get A.J. Dillon and Jones pumping early on against when you go to a 3-4 often, it takes a little bit of time to adjust. And they have some good talent on that defense. I'm frightened by Zadarius Smith genuinely, especially if Bakhtiari and Jenkins don't play, or if they do play and aren't effective, he frightens me. So, yes, you want the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand throughout the day. However, if you can get Jones and Dylan pumping early, and the key to me it's going to come down to in the red zone, if you can convert there without Devontae Adams, like we don't know what their red zone attack is going to look like. Between the 20s, yeah. I'm always confident in what Rodgers can do. Nor right. like He is a a terrific red zone quarterback. I just need to see how they go about converting those opportunities. But if you can convert more often than not in the red zone, turn those into touchdowns. I think the Packers win 23, 20 when it comes to defense, I think they'll have enough to limit the Vikings big plays. Like Jefferson is, you know, a stud, 
Thielen's Thielen, but the secondary, the Packers boast, and I think they can do a good job at bending and not breaking in this first game as we get our feet under us because they have all the talent in the back end to hopefully stop what the Vikings do over the top. As long as the Packers don't lose the game on special teams, 23, 20 is my official score prediction. Write it down in terms of Zadarius Smith sacks. If I set the over under at one, I think I'm taking the over. He frightens me on Sunday. So you think he'll get two at least? I think he'll get exactly two. Wow. I almost like, as we talked about before the break, the idea that Alan Lazard is out because I think, wait, wait, I think Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers do some of their best work game planning and scheming when you tie an arm behind their back. And in Minnesota on the road, you're missing two of your best offensive linemen, presumably, and you might be missing your number one wide receiver. It reminds me a lot of that Thursday night game in Arizona last year where they were forced to come up with something specific and go out and execute it, right? And I think where the Packers get in trouble is where Rodgers just kind of goes out there and doesn't riff, but isn't dialed in and isn't focused and isn't locked in. Like, Ben, some of my most productive days are at work are, is when my to-do list is the longest. Like, let's say I have 10 tasks to get done. I roll into work and I'm like, I have to get these things done. Oh, it's 11.05, need to do this. I got this done, no time to waste, go do this. Some, sometimes I come to work, my to-do list is three things long and I don't do any of them because I'm not under the gun. I need a little bit of pressure to go out and, and execute. And I think when Rogers and the floor have a hand tied behind their back, they're at their best. I get that. The comp is funny. Just the thought of, oh, <laughs> you get into work, you have to, you got to prep the Wisco sports show. Are you not a to-do list guy? I am a to-do list guy. I'm a big notes app guy. I just put oh. it all always on notes app. And yeah, I you obviously I tend to get a lot more done when there's specific structure that I know I go from this yeah. to that and get it all done. Yeah. I just I do find it funny comparing it to game planning against a team where you really don't know what you're gonna get, right? On either side of the ball. No, you do not. So their hands are tied behind their back. They're also kind of blind, right? Like imagine yeah. trying to get the Wisco sports show and voice track and all that stuff with a bandana over your eyes. It'd make it well, tougher. It just heightens heightens my other senses. I, I was told by Ebo the other day, speaking of a lack of sight, that he was helping uh, our, our blind friend, David Monona, do something on Twitter. Oh. Is this true? Did you hear about this? Um, I did not hear about it. I can say, though, Dave came out of the woodwork with a scalding take after the Badgers 38 nothing win over Illinois State and said, yeah. if you take away all the big plays, they didn't play that well. It's like, yeah. If you take away everything they did really well that we wanted to see, they actually sucked. So I saw you going back and forth on Twitter with him. Ugh. That was funny. Yes, I agree with you on LaFleur and Rodgers. There's just so many unknowns in week one. And maybe you're picking the Packers. Maybe it would just be wise with all of these unknowns to go with the team that has continuity, has the same offensive structure, has the same offensive coach, has carryover from last year. I'm really not married to my pick of the Vikings. I just going into U.S. Bank and winning is a tall order. When it comes to Zadarius Smith, over under one sex. Uh, I will go under one. If you were to set the over under at half a sack, I would take the over. Okay. So you think he gets one? Yes. And right. I think the celebration will just be ridiculous. Yeah. I, I do forget that he had a sack in the playoff game last year. Oh, yeah. Like he, he had an instant impact. And then, you know, the game 
What happened, happened. 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, do it. Packers-Vikings score prediction. I'm taking the Packers. Grant is taking the Vikings. Uh, He's in the cross, so I guess it's expected. He has some Viking blood filling in there. No, don't worry. We'll get to your Brewers hate a little later on. Uh, I'm putting you on the hot seat when it comes to these kind of things. And how many sacks do you think Zadarius Smith gets? Because... I can't put out there uh, how many yards does a receiver get because we don't know who's going to go do it. But the big storyline, aside from what the Packers are going to do, is obviously the Tyler Dunn story earlier this week, Zadarius Smith entering this contest. So your thoughts on all of that. We'll be answering calls and tweets and such at Benzie Kenny on Twitter throughout the show today. Chime in. Score predictions, Zadarius Smith sacks. How are you feeling? Well, how much does this game mean? Entering uh, Sunday, we'll take all of your reaction throughout the show today. 877-867-1670. I'll get to the phone calls here in a second. Joining us next in about seven minutes. Uh, I'm excited for this one, Grant. JTO Sullivan of QB School is going to join us. A, a quarterback guru. Does a lot of breakdowns on YouTube and, and on Twitter and such. Does a lot of stuff with Pro Football Focus. He's going to join us next, uh, talk about what happened with Stafford last night and whether there's, you know, something to be said of a Carson Palmer effect, how Jordan Love looked throughout the preseason, all the quarterback storylines we love to follow. We'll get his thoughts on them uh, as well you, as some college stuff. You, you, by the way, I know because I've been in this spot. You so desperately want him to confirm your Carson Palmer take. Like I could just tell, are you just going to? You're just going to try to sell them on that? I love doing that to guests. Uh, just hitting them with a take and wanting them to agree. Yeah, I'm going to put it out there, and we'll see how much traction it gets. We'll see. I love it. But that's coming up next, about six, seven yeah. minutes from now. 877-867-1670. Let's go to the phones. Line two. You're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Hello. Uh, possibly me. I believe it yeah. is. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, I was just calling. Uh, I'm going to... For the Packers score, I know I can't hold a lot of time. I'm going to end up calling Grant Bills later on, so hopefully look for that call because I do have more questions that I just can't, oh. I mean, don't have enough time for me. But um, uh, I think possibly 17-14 with the Packers winning because uh, since they don't, the Packers don't know who their um, number one receiver is yet, they'll probably try a ground-to-pound game to get Jones and uh, Dylan. I think I'll yeah, get Jones and Dylan going so uh they can keep the ball out of kirk uh kirk cousins and justin jefferson's hands yeah low scoring Um, game though right and i feel that way because i feel like the packers are going to try their best to keep the ball away from the vikings because you know kirk cousins he's a good quarterback justin jefferson is really good and then um i forget the other guys the other receivers that the uh, vikings have i just don't remember his name off the top of my head but they and then they have no not rieger but uh there you go Thielen, and uh and then dalvin cook is over there you know so like they still have a good team they have a good offense so i feel like since the packers don't know who they really have as a number one receiver yet they're gonna try to keep the ball out of the uh kirk cousins and justin jefferson's hands uh I just have a question or two, if that's all right. I know you got to get to some other people, but uh, I just want to ask one quick question. Or yeah, go ahead. Questions. Um, last night's game, I don't know if you gentlemen watched it or not, but yep. um, the com- the commentator said two very interesting things that just made me go, wow, like I can't believe he said that. And one of the things the commentator said was, uh, when Josh Allen is out on the field, it's like watching Tom Brady. 
And then he also said it's like or uh, Josh Allen is it's like watching Peyton Manning orchestrating and throwing like oh. Tom Brady. Do you guys think that? <laughs> I don't know if you caught that or not, but like, I yeah, I heard it. I appreciate the phone call, man. We got to run here in a minute. Thanks, Marcus. I can credit that to one thing and one thing only, Grant Bills. That is Chris Collinsworth. I love Chris you Collinsworth. Know? I, so do I, but that's what Great. you're going to get. Josh Allen was awesome, but that's what Collinsworth does always. We just we need to be able to compliment a quarterback without saying, he reminds me of Tom Brady. Like, there's so there's such a wide world of words and comparisons to make. I think he's just MVP Cam Newton all the time with maybe even a more accurate passing arm, which is insane. Um, but I did hear the Tom Brady comp last night, and I, I laughed. Just so outrageous. Do you like Tariko, by the way? Number one guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I was listening, and maybe it's because I watch a lot of Notre Dame football. I, I'm used to Tariko, and he's done yeah. games before. I didn't really feel a difference. Tariko and Gruden on Monday night was always really good. Oh, it I was, was really terrific. Like there. Yeah. I'm, I was doing games. I'm excited for Monday when we get Buck and Aikman on the first ESPN game. But we'll get into all that. A lot more to come. NFL week one. Started last night. It continues throughout the weekend. Coming up next after the break, we are joined by JT O'Sullivan of the quarterback school. Talk some Rogers, talk some Jordan Love, talk some Matt Stafford, all the storylines quarterback wise entering the NFL season. That is next. I'm Ben Kenny. That is Grant Bills. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. It is the Bill Michael Show, Football Friday. Packers Vikings coming up on Sunday the season opener joining us now to talk more about it to break down the quarterback position both there and across the NFL and college football he's a longtime NFL quarterback including with the Packers a lot of content now at QB school on Twitter search the QB school on YouTube as well that is where you find all of the breakdowns he is JT O'Sullivan JT happy football Friday man thanks for joining us I'm excited. This is it. We're here. We made it. Yeah. So uh, last night, the Rams fall woefully short against the Buffalo Bills. I just, I, I don't love the drastic overreaction when it comes to those games, but I have to ask, like there is something with quarterbacks reaching a point in their career where they're no longer a certain upper echelon. Is it too drastic to say that we saw signs from Matt Stafford last night along those lines? Uh, it probably is. Too drastic. The, the other thing that I would add to that is that we see that kind of age limit thing being pushed back, right? You know, more than anything else, for for a number of different reasons, whether, whether how people are taking care of their bodies or just the rules set up to protect quarterbacks. I think all of those things go into it. But yeah, it's a it's an overreaction. You know, there's probably going to be less no look passes in Stafford's future. But I mean, <laughs> other than that, I expect the Rams to be really good and Josh Allen to be probably even better. It helps to have Cooper Cup, too. Seems, even though the game wasn't going well for the Rams, anytime he was going to Cooper Cup, it just seemed to work out well. I want to ask you about Josh Allen. I saw a tweet last night. I don't know who it was. Um, I got to go back and find it. Who basically just said, so Josh Allen is going to be MVP Cam Newton. 
all the time. And I was like, wow, that's, I never really thought of it that way. What do you think of Josh Allen, his progression and, you know, the quarterback he's become now? Cause I, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback quite like him. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I necessarily loved a Cam Newton analogy. I, I, I mean, there are certainly elements of his game that look like that. I think he's a significantly better passer. And, yeah. and the thing that I think is crazy with Josh Allen and the thing that everybody goes back to is just the, the improvement that he's made and the, the, the accuracy element of it. You just don't see quarterbacks or we haven't up until this point seen quarterbacks make that drastic of improvement as quickly as he has and, and be able to sustain it seemingly for a few years now. And so if he continues to improve, if you know he stays healthy playing the way he plays, uh, I mean, he's just going to light the league on fire. I think he already is lighting the league on fire, and it seems like yeah. the, the roster is, is right there with him, ready to go. J.T. O'Sullivan joining us uh, at QB School on Twitter to find all of his good content there. I want to switch to the Packers, and this is obviously a question that we would all love to know the answer to because then it would make us very wealthy and, and uh, affluent in the world. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, like this is what year 13, year 14 in the NFL. How are him and Brady and all of the quarterbacks you mentioned pushing back that age bar? How are these guys still so effective at this age? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure that there will be some thirties for thirties at some point about this topic. Uh, I, I personally have no idea how they're doing it. I can barely, uh, you know, I know how I feel in my early forties and I can't imagine uh <laughs> playing let alone playing at the level that those guys are playing at that's the other thing that i think is crazy is just the level that both those guys are playing at it's uh it's so impressive on so many different levels and you just you you know it's so great for the game also you i always say we're in this kind of sweet spot with quarterback play where we've got these guys who are on the tail end that are still playing playing really well and then we've got these young playmakers that seem to be you know almost redefining what the position looks like and so it's just this sweet time to appreciate the position have you seen Rodgers and Brady, I guess, have you seen like mechanical changes or just general changes to their play? Or is it just they're so good and they've learned how to stay atop the mountain even into their, uh, you know, 40s? Uh, I, I think probably both of them have evolved a little bit as far as how they play. I, I think Tom Brady's a fascinating you know, long, it's really turned in, it's not really a case study. It's almost like a longitudinal study about his career and his mechanics and how he's improved and where he's spent his time getting better and just look at the arc of his career. It's, it's been pretty fascinating. I love watching him play just because I think he's so polished. You know, every there's, there's so little wasted movement. He's got such a great throwing stroke. It's so fluid and, and kind of balanced as opposed to a, a guy like Aaron, who I think of as more uh, probably almost harder to be able to do what he does at an older age just because of the torque and violence that he that he throws with I mean it's just so it's so rotational and there's so much force generated in damn near every throw that he makes it's uh it's got to put a real wear and tear on your body I know he's had knee issues and different issues but you know he's just such a rotational guy with that unbelievable torque and can just spin it and you can almost hear the revolutions on the ball uh, you know, through the TV, the guy throws it so hard. It's been so impressive to watch. It's just kind of fascinating that, he, and the other thing with Aaron is who he's doing it with. You know, it'll be fun to see this year. I, I think people are really kind of uh, overreacting to the fact that, you know, he's, he's going to be fine. Like I, I imagine him being fine. Like he's Aaron Rodgers. Like they're, 
he's still going to be able to put the ball wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Now, it might not be to the one of, if not the best receiver in the league, but he's going to be fine. JT, do you think a situation with young and unfamiliar wide receivers, and then with the Packers, too, we're not really sure what their offensive line is going to look like, going into a hostile environment in Minnesota, is there a... Is there sometimes a tendency for quarterbacks, especially ones that are older and more experienced like Rodgers, to almost be grounded a bit when they're up against the wall? Like I think of that game they played in Arizona last year where all the wide receivers had COVID and they were on a short week and and it almost forced Rodgers in the floor to tighten it up and almost get back to basics, which I think can be good sometimes. Do you think there's a grounding element to uncertainty with wide receivers with a line? Do you think it kind of centers Rodgers and forces him to dial in a little bit? I'm sure there's an element of kind of a refocusing. You know, I don't know necessarily know if you can get more dialed in playing NFL quarterback, but, you know, just kind of a refocusing on how we're going to play the game. And I think it'll be hard for everybody to not overreact, you know, if if this thing doesn't go their way this weekend against a really good Vikings team on the road, you know, those types of things. But I really feel like over the course of a season, you'll see them find their sweet spot and be able to still continue to showcase what Aaron does as well, if not better than anybody who's ever done it in the league. And that's just throw it wherever he wants, whenever he wants, and protect the ball at such a great level. They're just going to always give them a chance to be really good. So I see up on YouTube you have some breakdowns of what Jordan Love looked like when you saw him in the preseason this year. I know it's not the biggest storyline for the Packers this season, or hopefully it doesn't become. But what have you seen, and is there or was there a big jump made from Love? I mean, you know, it's hard to get any sort of really conclusive uh, evidence coming out of the preseason. I, I will say that it's great for him to get the work, the reps. I, I didn't necessarily see anything that would that would classify as like a significant or massive jump moving forward. I still think there are, you know, significant, not significant, substantial potential holes in his game and how he plays right now. And there's really no way to get over those or around those until you play meaningful snaps and so unfortunately that's going to mean you know something that has to happen to Aaron Rodgers for him to get that opportunity but you know up until that point I don't think there's anything necessarily to throw your arms up and say hey there's massive concerns I would say that you know as far as him being the backup but as far as him kind of showcasing what a round one first round pick looks like in the NFL and go out there and compete with the guys who are his age in the NFL that are starters yeah, you know, it, he's in that kind of muddy area where it's just going to take him going out there and doing it in regular season games when it's on the line and playing at a really high level. And there's nothing that I've seen in the preseason tape that makes me think that that's a guarantee. Two guys from the draft a year ago, Trey Lance at the top and Justin Fields now in the Bears. I saw you had a Justin Fields breakdown. What are your expectations and what have you seen in the development, at least in the preseason of, of Justin Fields? And what do you think about how Trey Lance might look with the Niners. Do you have a Trey Lance take? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, again, it's, it's really hard to take anything meaningful from these preseason stats. I know I do the videos and I, I think that there are elements that you can see potentially as far as development, whether it be gut, sure. getting through progressions, whether it can be, you know, maybe mechanics or just throws. But as far as the body of evidence that a regular season will look like, you know, I don't think it's anybody's surprise that Chicago's probably not going to be great this year. 
And what that comes with is some significant struggles for the quarterback. And so just looking for him to be able to control what he can control, continue to get better, continue to show flashes, big play flashes, whether it's with his arm driving the ball down the field, whether it's with his legs, whether it's with the quarterback run game, you know, whether it's then becoming maybe a, a surprise team in the league that has kind of a better than expected outcome across the board. Uh, I think that's where I'm at with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a really special talent. I think he's got an opportunity to be really good. I don't think I hide that on the channel. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, from the Trey Lance standpoint, just a really unique situation where you get an opportunity to be a – the franchise gives up so much to get you. You get an opportunity to sit. Now you're inserted to play with a really good roster, with a coach that a lot of people around the league think is one of the you know great play caller schemers to go in there and just have this unbelievable opportunity. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that he just hasn't played a lot of football up until this time. So I think that, I think that there's a great chance that he's going to come out and just, you know, play really well and have this offense tailored for what he can do really well. It will look a little bit different in my opinion, from what we've seen from the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo up until this point, just because he does have the capacity to drive the ball down the field, drive the ball outside the numbers run, use his feet as a little bit more playmaker, quarterback run. Now, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Shanahan decides to do because I always think of uh, RG3, Kyle Shanahan together, that one rookie year where he was healthy for a little bit and really lit the league on fire as far as being a playmaker, using RG3 all over the place. You know, I don't I don't expect him to do that right out the gate, although he could because he feels really good with Garoppolo being the backup. But I imagine, you know, after maybe a month of the season, we'll be able to see exactly how they want to use him in the quarterback run game at the at the goal line in the red area, short yardage, and the ability to stretch the ball down the field because Shanahan does such a great job with the play action and the shots looking just like the run game. You guys know just watching the same type of offense in Green Bay, you know, when you can mirror that, give yourself a great opportunity for big plays down the field now that you can stretch it with uh, Trey Lance's arm. Last one uh, before we let you go. I want to switch to the college game quickly, kind of along the same lines as Fields and Lance. But when watching the college game and the young quarterbacks that could be coming out in the future, are there any specifically that that have caught your eye? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of them that have caught my eye. There, there are some great quarterbacks in the pipeline. And uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what it looks like, who's going to be necessarily picking that high in the draft. But the guy that I love, but just enjoy watching spin the ball the most is, you know, Bryce Young. There's no, in my opinion, there's nobody who necessarily is as fluid, is as smooth as Bryce Young. And then just kind of seeing what Alabama will be this year. If they, if their identity is a little bit different than maybe what we've seen in the past, if they're trying to go back to a little bit of how they used to play and taking advantage of what Bryce Young can do throwing the ball. It's a, it's a pretty special time to uh, appreciate college quarterbacks. Awesome. Awesome stuff, JT. Really appreciate the time, and we'll check in again down the road. All right, fellas. Take care. There he Thank is. JT O'Sullivan, former Packers quarterback, longtime NFL quarterback, at JT underscore O'Sullivan on Twitter, uh, the QB school on Twitter and on YouTube. That's where you find all of his stuff. A lot of awesome quarterback breakdowns, both professional, college, uh, specific games, some previous games, like he goes back when Mariota was in college and that kind of stuff. Awesome stuff from him. I uh, appreciate him joining us. We're going to step away, take a quick break. More on the Packers and the Vikings when we return. And also... The Brewers swept a doubleheader yesterday. Are they back? We'll get back into that when we come back. I'm Ben Kenny. That is Grant Bills. We're in for Bill Michaels. Ready! 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're back. It is the Bill Michaels show. We'll get back to the Packers in a minute here. Season opener coming up, score predictions, thoughts, keys, all that stuff. But first, we have some breaking news. According to Jeff Passan on Twitter, I think he works for ESPN now. Major League Baseball's competition committee has voted to implement a pitch clock and ban defensive shifts starting in 2023. I don't even know where to start, Grant. I first of like I like it, I think. I don't know where to start cuz so many people are going to come out and say, "Oh, but they should be able to hit to the opposite field. If you could just shorten up and punch it the other way, it shouldn't matter." And then others will say, uh, you know, once you put a pitch clock, baseball is a timeless thing. I don't know where to start. I think I like it. What say you? Uh, I don't know. We complain so much that baseball is slow and it's not a good product. But then I also want to complain when they make drastic rule changes like this. I feel like I, I can't complain about both, right? Like I need to, I need to embrace change or embrace the game they're currently playing now. I think just starting with embracing the shift. I think I like it because I tend to reject the idea that these guys are major league hitters and they should be able to spray the ball, bunt up the line to beat the shift. Um, I, I, if it was easy, everyone would do it. I don't think guys don't want to do it. I don't think it's a, this generation thing. It's really hard. Pitchers have gotten amazing and baseball is really hard right now. So I think for that reason, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay I, with the shift, banning the shift. I have three takes. Number one. All right. Base, I, I don't think baseball is broken, for the record. I love it for what it is. It has flaws, but all sports have flaws. The only way to quote-unquote fix it, though, to really get what everyone wants, which is a lot of interest and you know high leverage, interesting situations, the only way to do that is move the fences back 40 feet at every ballpark. Oh, okay. Every single ballpark should have fences that are moved way back so that some balls are still home runs, but you get a lot of gappers in uh, through the outfielders or over the outfielders' heads. Nothing in baseball is more interesting than a triple with uh, like a bases clearing triple, right? Where yes. when you have traffic on the base pass and you're seeing if the outfielder can get it to the relay man who gets it to the base before the hitter who is either fast or slow gets there, that's the most suspense or like a play at the plate, right? Those are more interesting than home runs because there's the balls in the air. Then you see the camera pan and you, and you see the guy is coming into the plate. Move the fences back 40 feet. Then you'll solve all the problems. But that'll never happen, obviously, because infrastructure and stuff. Uh, then the Brewers probably couldn't have a retractable roof because uh, it would be too large to move. My actual takes on this, though, I think the pitch clock is awesome, right. like 100 percent awesome. Really? I don't think it puts a, a like a shot clock. Uh, the shot clock clearly has an effect on NBA offenses, right? I don't think it's going to have, once people adapt, I don't think it has that drastic of an effect on watching the game or following the game. I think it's going to be great though. Cause 
the worst thing in the world is a pitcher that works so slow. So that eliminates it. And then sometimes if a pitcher does work slow, which they're going to have to learn to work faster, then maybe they get up against the pitch clock. You get automatic balls called like that is the pinnacle of electricity. So I like the pitch clock, the shift, whatever it is, what it is. I'm a fan of putting all of this strategic uh, possibilities into the manager's hands. So I like what the shift is. It's a great idea. If you're going to ban it, I'm okay with the idea that there have to be two infielders on each side of second base. I do not like it. Uh, Jeff Passan tweets, the pitch clock is 15 seconds with bases empty, 20 with runners on, by the way. And the shift, two fielders on each side of the second base bag with both feet on the dirt. That's where I have the problem. I Once you put them all on the infield, then I do think you kind of handcuff the managers in a way. Where I'm okay with them being like you can't overload one side to to get a lefty, but infielders should be allowed to have feet on the grass, right? Like we see that normally. We see that in Little League. We see that everywhere when a really good hitter's up. Infielders, Ben. But the infield's so arbitrary. What about in Toronto where they have that horrible turf? They don't have any real dirt. Oh, yeah. How do they do that? Exactly. They just have patches around the bases, right? (laughs) If that, yeah. Yeah, I think they do have patches around the bases, but I don't know. I think I, I, I think I like it. It's like if you like baseball, you like baseball at this point, right? No one's gonna be convinced yeah. to watch because now there's a pitch clock. It's, it's fine. I'm fine with all of this. I think it's just probably a good way to go about it. I'm not opposed or angry about any of this. It's like when they started tracking mound visits. It's like we kind of forgot that they were doing it because we just kind of fell in line and it was whatever. Yeah. Hopefully the pitch clock will be similar to that where we don't even think about it after a while and it buys us, you know, a couple of extra minutes. I don't mind some games go long. I am I, I don't know that speeding up games solves the issues that people have with baseball. Moving back the walls might, though, I agree with you. There's just not a balls in play. I don't know if speeding up the game solves that problem. Yeah, and I don't know if tinkering with the mound is going to be the best way to go about it but some way to handicap the pitchers because they're just they're too nasty right now but I think for me because like solo home runs are are like they are what they are but I think if you really want to bring offense or intrigue and suspense you need to find some way to agree that every ballpark has to eliminate thousands of seats and therefore millions of dollars in revenue to move every fence back 40 feet do we not really enjoy when our teams play in San Francisco, for example? I oh. love when the Brewers go to San Francisco. Yeah, because Eric Lauer can actually have success. <laughs> yeah. The other the other day, I you know, to quote David Monona, we were talking about this earlier. I thought Eric Lauer actually pitched really well the other day, except for all the home runs he gave up and the hits. If you just take those out, I, I actually thought he looked great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the baseball news. And the big rule Let's changes that came down. 877-867-1670. We could take your thoughts on it, how it plays into small ball. I mean, now uh, I you're not going to have the massive shift, so you're not going to have the the complete. Like when Joey Gallo's at the plate, whoever is the fan of the team that he's on is not going to be complaining for him to go the other way because there are no more of those shifts. It's good for a team that roots for, you know, Kyle Schwarber, who pulls the ball a lot. It's good for teams yeah. with Joey Gallo. I, I guess Rowdy Telez, right, too? So, I don't know. It plays in. When it comes to the Brewers, though, Grant, I teased this, and we're going to get into mm-hmm. this coming up next as well. Are the Brewers back? 
I, the way you worded that and the way you set it up, it sounded like you were about to go about this very well set up, delicate tease, and you're just like, no, are they back? They won both games yesterday. Brewers might be back. Who knows? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, are they back? Are you asking me or are we doing this next? No, I'll ask you and we'll expand upon it next. I mean, no, they're not back. That doesn't mean I won't try to talk myself into them being back, though. Okay. I'm going to outline a case coming up next and in the next hour. Why I, I cool. think they still make the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Before we take this break, though, cards on the table. Is that because you think the Brewers are about to go on a tear or you just think the bottom of the NL isn't that good and a bunch of teams make the playoffs? I'm going to get to it next. Uh, uh, good idea. That's Grant Bills. Good. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. A lot more to come on the Packers as well. We'll take your thoughts on the MLB rule changes. The shift starting next year is gone. Bases will be bigger also, which I, I guess is a big deal. I don't know. Whatever. And a pitch clock will be implemented next year. Comes to the Brewers. They're two and a half back in the wild card. We'll talk about their playoff chances coming up next. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers face the Vikings in the season opener, 325 this Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Last year, the Packers turned in a horrible performance week one with a 38-3 loss to the Saints in Jacksonville, a game Randall Cobb would just as soon forget. I wiped everything in the past out of my mind, so, I mean, yeah, I don't remember what I was feeling that week or going into that game, but as of right now, you know, obviously, it's all about the North. That first and foremost for us to even have a playoff chance is we got to find a way to win our division. So we know the importance and the urgency in finding a way to to win one game a week, and, and especially when it comes to the division. Packers defensive back Eric Stokes. We know for a fact, like last year, uh, we didn't start the way that we wanted to in the first game. So coming out here this year, having a better practice, and just pretty much stand on top of every little thing. Now last year, Rasul Douglas was signed as a free agent after Jair Alexander went down with a severe shoulder injury. Douglas was asked if he's ready to prove he's worth the new contract he signed in the offseason. Definitely. There's no such thing as being relaxed here. Um, you got to come here and you got to prove it. Every, everybody here is, is playing great ball right now. So they stay on your back. So if you mess up, they'll come right in. Darnell Savage Jr. missed most of training camp with a hamstring injury, suffered during one-on-one drills on family night. The Packers' safety and why he thinks this year's defense could be the best they've had in a while. I would just say just the how close we are as far as, like, our mindset. Like, we're all very, like, similar. It's almost like we were handpicked, you know, so... But everybody, we all have the same goal. We all want to be the best, you know what I'm saying? And we push each other, uh, we drive each other, we compete with each other at practice, we compete with each other in the games. So that's going to do nothing but bring the best out of everybody. So uh, it's always fun going out there on the field with those guys. That's Packers safety Darnell Savage Jr. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Hey, welcome back. It's The Bill Michaels Show. Coming up in the next hour, there is a video from a Minnesota radio station about how much they all hate the Packers. It's quite comical. We will play it. We will react to it. We'll go through the NFL week one slate. I have matchup superlatives, AKA why I care about these contests that we'll get to. And the Badgers play on Saturday. Haven't talked about them much today. We'll hit all of that as well as more on Packers, Vikings and predictions for the game and how much it means 
I mentioned into the break, Grant, why why do I think the Brewers are going to make the playoffs sitting here today? Two and a half yes, games sir. back in the wild card. And it has absolutely nothing to do with my faith in the team because I have none of it. I said weeks ago, it was when I was in for you on, on the Wisco Sports Show, early August. I said, this team will make the playoffs if their bullpen pitches to a sub three or a three. I don't care about the offense. The offense is okay. The starters will be what they are. If the bullpen can come around, this team will make it. Since then, obviously that has not been the case. The bullpen has still faltered in many big spots. Yesterday, you didn't need it in the first game. Corbin Burns goes eight innings, one run, 14 Ks. Brewers win two to one. Second game, a four to two win, even with the bullpen giving up a couple runs there in the seventh and in the eighth. I think the Brewers make the playoffs because the Phillies are going to completely collapse. About your lack of faith in your hometown, Philadelphia. No, it it might be shallow just to, but if you think the Brewers bullpen is a mess, the Phillies is uh, quite troubling at the moment. Bryce Harper's playing like crap. They are a team. It's called Craig Timber, right? The Phillies, they are a team known for collapsing every September. They're like the Mets in a way, at least in the last decade. You're preaching to the choir. I have here. Let me see if I can move the webcam. I want, I want to show you seeing we're on Skype. There's a picture of Craig Council right oh, there God. on my studio wall. There Who's on the is, bottom? Black and white. Uh, that's future. Oh. I just think that's funny. Why? Because Russell Wilson? Well, also, yeah, it works on multiple levels. Uh, so, yeah, I look, it's Craig Tember. You're preaching to the choir. I actually, and I've said this a couple times this week, I actually think the Brewers' bullpen is fine. The pieces are there. Rodgers, Williams, Bush. Suter's been good in the second half. I I think the meat and potatoes is fine. What we're missing is the seasoning. We're missing that special sauce that brings it all together, and that has just been lacking. I disagree with that. Look, I'm not saying they're amazing, but they're not trash, okay? But it's it's the the juice, the vibes. There's something missing that doesn't tie it all together. And if Craig can just find that, they make the playoffs, yeah. Doesn't mean they're amazing, but... Yeah, well, mark it down. If they do make the playoffs at September 9th, I'll find this audio. I'm calling it now. The Brewers get the final wild card spot because they play well enough against the horrible teams like the Reds that are in town. And they play well against the good ones somehow and the Yankees and the Mets and the Cardinals and against the Diamondbacks and all those. I, I think they do it because I have no faith in the Philadelphia Phillies. There you go. I'm going to come Thank back you. to this if it happens. September 9th. You should. Write it down. You should. All right, a lot more to come. When we return, a funny video coming out of Minnesota. Uh, Why people over there dislike the Packers. The reasons are comical. We'll talk about it next. I'm Ben Kenny. That is Grant Bills. It's the Bill Michaels Show. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.